I will ask us to turn to the book of First Samuel, chapter 27. We will read 27 and uh, 28, verse 1 to 2. So please open your Bibles there so that we can read and uh, gain together from the Word of God. First Samuel 27, and then 28, verse 1 and 2, and I read. Then David said in his heart, Now I shall perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than, than that I should escape to the land of the Philistines. Then Saul will despair of, of seeking me any longer with the, within the borders of Israel and I shall escape out of his hand. So David arose and went over, he and six hundred men who were with him, to Achish, the son of Maok, king of Gath. And David lived with Achish at Gath, he and his men, every man with his household, and David with his two wives, Ahinoam of Jezreel, and Abigail of Carmel, Nabal's widow. And when it was told Saul that David had fled to Gath, he no longer sought him. Then David said to Achish, If I have found favor in your eyes, let a place be given me in one of the country towns, that I may dwell there. For why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you? So that day Achish gave him Ziklag. Therefore Ziklag, uh, therefore Ziklag has belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. And the number of days that David lived in the country of the Philistines was a year and four months. And David and his men went up and made raids against the Geshurites, the Gizites, uh, and the Amalekites. For these were the inhabitants of the land from of old, as far as Shur, the land of Egypt. And David would strike the land and would leave neither man nor woman alive, but would take away the sheep, the oxen, the donkeys, the camels, and the garments, and come back to Akish. When Akish asked, Where have you made a raid today? David would say, Against the Negev of Judah, or against the Negev of the Jerahamelites, or against uh, the Negev of the Kenites. And David would leave neither man nor woman alive to bring news to Gath, thinking, lest they should tell about us and say, So David has done. Such was his custom all the while he lived in the country of the Philistines. And Achish trusted David, thinking, He has made himself an utter stench to his people Israel. Therefore, he shall always be my servant. In those days, the Philistines gathered their forces for war to fight against Israel. And Achish said to David, Understand that you and your men are to go out with me in the army. And David said to Achish, Very well, you shall know what your servant can do. And Achish said to David, Very well, I will make you my bodyguard for life. Let's pray. O Lord, we come before you this evening, we have read your word, 
And we pray that as we take time to learn from it, that you will help us, O oh Lord, to grasp the truth found in it. That in grasping those truths, we will rely more on you, that we will seek to hide ourselves in the cross more and more, and that our peace and joy would be found in Christ. So bless your word. Help me, Lord, to teach your word clearly and faithfully and so simply that even the young gathered with us would be able to understand it. So we thank you and we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. One of the interesting phenomenons in nature is that animals, whenever they hunt, they trick their prey to think that they are going to a place of safety only to find themselves trapped in the jaws of a powerful prey. This has been observed throughout nature or in many places in nature. For example, I don't know whether you know this, that dolphins have been known to work together to catch fish. That dolphins come together and they scare fish, a certain uh, kind of fish, so that when by them moving and them causing a lot of commotion, the fish would run to one side to seek safety. And they would find a place where there is no more commotion, it's very quiet and it's calm. But as they are running there to a place where there is quiet waters, the waters are easy and there isn't much commotion, they realize that there is a whole army of dolphins waiting for them and they are eaten up. We know that lions do the same thing, that they rush towards a herd and as the herd is running towards safety, they are actually being cornered towards a place where they end up being thrown into a bunch of other lions waiting for them. And we might look at those animals and say, silly fish, silly zebras, silly wildebeest. You think you are running to safety only for you to be captured. But we as human beings do the very same thing. We are entrapped. We are entrapped by sin. We are entrapped by our own sinful desires. And we end up being cornered because we are thinking, I am running to safety. I am running to something good only for us to realize that we have been caught. Like Pastor Mbungi was saying this morning, you end up realizing that your old master, sin, is chasing you into his own compound while you're thinking you're running to safety. And as we shall look at the life of David this evening, and especially this narrative about him, if there is one point I want us to grasp, to understand, and hopefully to apply in our own life, is to see that there is a sense 
of safety that, uh, that comes to us. There is a sense of safety that is provided by the evil one, which is false, that we run to and then we get ourselves entrapped. We need to be very, very careful. Because here is David. He has been running away from Saul, all the way from um, chapters 20, chapter 20, 20, actually, 19, actually, from chapter 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, up to 27. He's been running, running from one place to another, hiding himself in a cave, hiding in one place to another. But every moment, Saul seems to be catching up with him. The spies of souls are everywhere and they can see him. And look at the introductory words of this chapter. We are told that then David said in his heart, now I shall perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that I escape to the land of the Philistines. David has come to a place where he is thinking, I can no longer be safe in Judah. Yes, God has helped me, but I am no longer safe here. He forgets then many times God has helped him. He forgets the times that Saul has come with his army to look for him and he escapes. He forgets the times that people have, of a town have sought to betray him to Saul and the Lord has rescued him. But now he decides, well, uh, God has helped me, but it's about time I help myself. And dear brethren, that is the moment, as we shall see, that things go south. He finds himself trapped. And as we look at David, I want us to see that we can also be trapped by seeking, by thinking that when we go to the enemy's camp, we will get peace. We will get some comfort. It could be a sin that gives you peace. You know, if I just give this bribe, if I just give in to this sin, I will get some comfort. I know the Lord has provided for me, but if I just compromise here, if I just go to the Philistines, if I go to the other side on this one occasion, things will be easier. And so I would like us to see this in three, under three points. That in David going to the enemy's camp to get safety, which is a false safety, we see that he, in his mind, gets the understanding that he will get comfort. We are told that David was a man who um, was in trouble and he says, I will go to the Philistines. I will go to the, the, the enemy of God's people and dwell there and seek peace there. And as we shall see, he does find that comfort. He does find 
that peace, although it is a temporary peace, it is an, a fake peace. And we see this in verse 1 to 7. If you could just take us back to that, uh, to the points there. We see that um, in David finding comfort in the camp of the enemy, he does find some level of protection. Verse 3, and David lived with Akish at Gath. He and his men, every man with his household, and David with his wives. And then in verse 4, when it was told Saul that David had fled to God, he no longer sought him. So David had seen the protection and the preservation of God in the land of Judah in the past. We would expect that he would continue to do the same and to trust God for protection as things continue to be hard. But David decides to make a move. A move that is rushed, but that was meant to deflate the current pressures around him. It perhaps may have been an action that was as a result of the mental and the physical exhaustion of running away from Saul. You can imagine moving from town to town, hiding in, your, in caves, and you have how many? 600 men. 600 men with wives and children, I mean, that's, that's a heavy responsibility, right? And it does appear that there is a lot of pressure, and we do understand, in a sense we can say, we understand you, David, that there is a lot of pressure. We understand that there is so much happening. But, it doesn't excuse him. It doesn't make it right for him to go to the Philistines. One of the reasons that we see that his move was not according to God's will is that in, unlike other times, David doesn't pray. You remember in chapter 23? Remember in chapter 23, before David decided to move from one place to another, what does David do? He, he prays. But this time he looks at things from a human perspective. He looked at, he looked at things outwardly. He didn't seek God. And you see that he moves to the land of the Philistines. We are told that David and his men are accepted by Akish. They are received by him. And they settle with him. And him and his men finally get the needed rest. And we see that in verse 4. That Saul no longer sought him. I mean, that's, that was David's dream. That was the dream of David, that, they, that Saul no longer sought him, that finally the spies of Saul can no longer cross, or rather cannot cross the border and go to the land of the Philistines to look after uh, for him. 
ease finally comfort finally so leaves him alone and they have a vast land to call home actually he is given his own town he is given the town of ziklag i mean what more could you ask you have your enemy your biggest enemy no longer seeking after you and on top of that you now have your own town where you can live with your own men where they can farm they can rest i mean a bigger house a bigger compound more free space you know how sin also makes us to be trapped is it come and you will find a bigger this and a bigger that but in this situation where he finds comfort and peace we shall see that it causes him trouble never be comfortable never be at peace in the hands of the enemy you can never be at peace in the camp of the philistines it is a temporal peace things may appear to be okay but you will be pushed farther and farther so we see that the lack of prayer in a time of trial leads david to seek peace and comfort and security in the hands of the enemy and this is also what happens to us that whenever we are led by the pressures around us whenever we make a decision based on the pressures around us and not on the word of god or prayer whenever we do not look back to the goodness of the lord cuz david ought to have looked and seen that god preserved me all that time in judah surely he can keep me one more year surely he can keep me 10 more years or 20 more years are we or are you in a similar kind of situation where you are looking at the pressures around you and you are saying you know the lord will understand i need to pay school fees for my children the lord will understand my compromise are you at that moment where you are thinking i mean even the church knows that i have needs surely they will understand if i just go to the enemy's camp if i just compromise in that this one moment of 600 men of under me they have children they have wives i mean we can't keep on running with children and with our wives all around while soul is looking after us surely surely i will be understood and there says no there is never a good reason for us to find safety in the thumb of the enemy there is never a good reason for compromise 
even when it does bring comfort. For sin does bring comfort, doesn't it? It gives you a relief. But it only gives you a relief for a while. When you compromise, you get a relief. But it's only, it will only last for a while. And after that, the chickens will come home to roost. And then you will see the seriousness of sin. And you know, looking at this passage, there are those who are, in the, are living in their sins. There are those who are comfortable being under the master called sin. And they are comfortable because they do not know the God of the Bible. They do not know the master of righteousness, the king of righteousness. The reality is, you might think that your sin is giving you comfort right now in this world. And it will give you comfort. You are having your best life now. But that sin will get you into bigger trouble, the second death, that you will die physically. And then you will stand before a holy God and you will be judged for your sins, for your indulgence in sin, for the good times you had under sin. And there is an eternity of hell awaiting you. But if you look to Christ, if you repent of your sins, look to Christ, the great son of David, you will receive salvation. And why do we look to Christ? Because Christ was the one who was tempted with comfort. You remember that? In Matthew 4, you remember the devil came to him? Ah, if you are the son of God, Turn this rocks into bread. Come on. Come over to my side. Just enjoy yourself, Jesus. You know, you have pressures around you. You are hungry. Your father will understand that you are hungry. But what did Jesus say? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. In other words, Christ trusted in God. While we see here that David failed to trust in God and he went to find peace in the camp of the enemy, we see the great son of David, the Lord Jesus Christ, saying no. And the devil came to him and told him, you know, he'll give you all the kingdoms. Look at the kingdoms. If David was offered Zikland, Satan was offering Christ the kingdoms of the world and its treasures. I will give you this and I will give it to you in abundance. I'll give you the riches, the lands, the titles. Just bow. You don't even need to bow before people. But if you realize the temptation of, uh, of Christ there, the devil doesn't tell him bow before people. Just bow. You and I, no one needs to see it. The two of us, and that's the way, again, the devil wants us to compromise. It's in your closet. 
No one is seeing you. People will not hear about this. And Christ said, no. Because he overcame, then we can find peace and true comfort in the will of our God. And that's why we trust in him. But then secondly, as we continue looking at this reality of finding false safety in the camp of the enemy, we see that there is a cost of being in the enemy camp. So there is comfort, you get Ziklag, Saul no longer gets to follow you, but there is, there is a cost to it. As David dwells among the Philistines, we see that David is forced to show his loyalty and usefulness to the king. It was eventually going to come that David will not live in the land of the Philistines for free. As Pastor Eric was reminding us this morning that sin is a master who will make sure that he pays you. And he will make sure that you pay him. You will not hang around for free. And we are told that he has to plunder. He has to go out and plunder the nations around him. And he claims that the raids were in Judah. Such a situation saves the life of David and his men and allows them to live in peace among the Philistines. But it also leads as the author demonstrates, to the slaughter of many people. And, and this is what we see in verse 8 and 9 and 11. Right? We are told that, And David and his men went up and made raids against the Geshurites and the Amalekites. And we are told about them, something that they did. And David will leave neither man nor woman alive to bring news to Gath, thinking lest they should tell about us and say, so David has done. Now, although the Bible is filled with such slaughters, such slaughters are not uncommon in the Bible. But we need to realize that the reason behind such events need to be considered. For example, when the children of Israel were going into the land of Canaan, they were commanded by the Lord to do what? To kill the inhabitants of the land. Why was it right? It was right because it was a command from the Lord, isn't it? It was the Lord commanding, do not spare. Do not leave man, woman, or child alive. But here we are told that David and his men went out and there was a lot of slaughter which was not because of the word or command of Yahweh. 
this slaughter was not to satisfy the wrath of Yahweh, but it was to gain the favor of Akish. And we see this. Look at verse 9. Verse 9 gives us the key. And David will strike the land that would leave neither man nor woman alive, but would take away the sheep, the oxen, the donkeys, the camels, the garments, and come back to Akish. So, the words at the end of verse 9 are to be understood, not to mean that David went and high-fived Akish. He didn't go back to Akish and tell Akish, you know, this is what I have done. The fact that he went back was a picture that David would give homage to Akish. In, in, the, in the olden days, this is what used to happen. You would have to give homage to a king who you are under. You would have to go and go come back to him. You would go back to his palace. You would go back to him. And you wouldn't go back to him empty-handed. You have to give oxen, donkeys, camels, gold, silver, whatever you had gotten. And what do we learn from this? What do we see from this? We see that Akish becomes wealthier and stronger, or the Philistines become wealthier and stronger from the exploits of David. He raided, would go back to Akish to pay homage. He would raid, go back to Akis, and pay homage. In other words, he has now to make the Philistines wealthy for him to live in their land. Again, looking at the illustration used in the morning, that sin is such a terrible master. It this master will not be satisfied. He will keep you working and working and working and working. But then, have you ever realized that when you compromise a bit with sin, that, that the demand for that sin continues to grow? Isn't it? You just allow yourself in your own room to watch that video in your laptop for five minutes, and then you realize that this master wants more. You now need to watch an hour. And by the time you realize, you are giving yourself to it. You know, one of the, one of the things that people don't know is that the pornography industry makes billions. I think it's around $4 billion every year. Because of those just watching it, clicking that link, clicking that video. I mean, what, what other things are we giving ourselves to and, and reaching and prospering 
and strengthening the other side to our own disadvantage. You ask yourself, because this is the cost of compromise. This is the cost of seeking peace in the enemy camp. You will get that comfort. Okay, you will get it. But you will not get it for free. He has to keep on going to Akish. And look at verse 11. And such was his custom all the while while he lived in the country of the Philistines. In other words, this was his employment. David, who God had anointed to serve him and to serve the people of Israel, is now in the custom. He is now fully employed for the purpose of the Philistines. And you, I mean, I hope you are there. For those who are here, when we began looking at the book of 1 Samuel, we saw what trouble and anguish the people of Philistine, the, the Philistines brought to the people of Israel. We saw what kind of trouble to the extent that they captured the ark and they put the ark in the temple of their own God. These were people who kept on raiding the people of Israel. And now guess who is their number one funder? The one who funds them. David, what has changed? What has happened? What has happened is, verse 1, that thought, that thought that it is, there is nothing better for me than I should escape to the land of the Philistines. Are you maybe there? Are you on the edge of that? Are you on the edge of compromising? Are you on the edge of making a decision to sell yourself? into the enemy camp so that you may get a fake and false safety. Are you perhaps thinking of dating someone who you know they are not a believer, but because you're thinking, well, um, at least I get a husband or at least I get a wife. Are you at the edge of making that decision so that you may get that peace? Well, now I get to start a family. Oh, oh, trouble. It will cost you. Don't make that decision. Don't think you will get peace on that side. Are you at the edge of making that decision? Okay, let me just bribe so that I get this job. I just go for lunch with this guy who will get me that job. It will cost you one way or the other. You will be pushed slowly by slowly by slowly. And again, just like the python coils itself around its prey and slowly squeezes out life out of its prey, that's what sin will do. Please, brethren, do not compromise. Compromise 
will always serve to strengthen the enemy. It will always serve to bind you and to enslave you. And then thirdly and finally, we see that there is the comfort, a big land, getting Ziklag. Saul is no longer looking for him. We have seen that there is the cost that he doesn't have, now he doesn't live there for free. There is a custom that he now has to do. He has to give tribute. He has to work for the good of Akish. But then, there is compromise. Or you will, there will always come to a situation where your fundamental principles will now be challenged. Or you will have to give up those things that are fundamental and important to you. And for David, we see that for him, it is to betray the people of God, to betray the people of Yahweh. I don't know whether you're seeing how the problem is escalating. You're thinking that it is enough to give tribute to Akish? Guess what? Akish will want you to prove how loyal you are to him. And that time will come. And guess what? For David, that time came. Because what are we told in 28? In those days, the Philistines gathered their forces for war. So it was initiated by the Philistines. This was an action by the Philistines. Why? To fight against Israel. And Akish said, Understand that you and your men are to go out with me in the army. The scriptures show, show us that actions have consequences. You remember when that, um, was it the American, I think it was someone in the State Department in the U.S. when they said that, uh, is it? Choices have consequences, right? But guess what? It is very true. Choices have consequences. If there is one thing that the Bible will always show, you cannot escape the consequences of your choices. In Kenya, we might have think, thought, well, we have escaped our, um, our consequences, but spiritually, when it comes to spiritual things, ah, there is no escaping consequences. Whatever you do, whatever thing you give yourself to, whatever kind of bondage you allow, whatever kind of peace and comfort you seek in sin, it has its consequences. And this is shown to us in the life of a man who is righteous, a man who is anointed, a man whom the Bible tells us was a man after God's own heart. Can you imagine? 
his choices have consequences. What is sowed by men will always be reaped. Galatians chapter 6 tells us this. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows in his flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. This principle is laid out for us in this narrative. We see that as time progresses and David is able to win the trust of Akish, a time comes that he will have now to show his ultimate loyalty to Akish. We see that David is called by the king of the Philistines, his overlord, to fight against the armies of Israel. This was a call to David to betray his own people. This was a call to David to betray the people of Yahweh. And even more, this was a call for him to betray the very people he was anointed to protect and to lead, isn't it? In 1 Samuel 16, we saw that the Lord commanded Samuel to go and anoint David so that he may become the king to his people, so that he may be the protector of his people. But now look at what happens. The very people you're supposed to serve are not the very people you're supposed to attack. This is how terrible it is to seek peace in the enemy camp. You will be called to compromise and to compromise on a very fundamental matter your loyalty to Yahweh. Your loyalty to Yahweh will be put to the test. And again, this is how the devil will entrap people. He knows he will, if he comes to you immediately and just tells you, betray your loyalty to Yahweh, you will say no. He knows you're smart. He knows he will, if he sends terrorists to put a gun on your head, deny God or die, probably you will not fall for that. But he will boil you slowly. He will put you in a situation where it's just a small compromise, small compromise that builds up, that builds up, that builds up, that accumulates until now you have to deny the very God that has saved you. This is the end of toying with the enemy. This is the end of seeking peace and comfort in the camp of the enemy. That even though we gain some quote-unquote peace and comfort, it will ultimately lead us to situations where we will be called to deny our call by God 
or to minimize our call in order for us to survive or to maintain the same comforts that we have. Do you want to continue living in Ziklag? This is the cost. This is what you need to do now. You will not only come to fight with me. And look at how David answers, by the way. Um, David said to Akish, very well, you shall know what your servant can do. In other words, many commentators put the words there that David is in a dilemma. He has to answer in an ambiguous way because he, he, he doesn't want to say yes and get himself into trouble with Akish. He need, uh, rather to say yes and rather be, show himself to have betrayed Israel or say no and get himself with trouble with Akish. And so he gives a very ambiguous answer. Well, okay, um, very well, we shall know what your servant can do. Sounds like the Kenyan answer uh, to Taona. You know when a Kenyan tells you to Taona, it means um, I'm just being ambiguous. I, I'm not telling you yes, not telling you no, to uh, Taona. This is what David is saying. He's in a corner, he's in a dilemma. But why is he in this dilemma? He would have saved himself the trouble. Sometimes it's better to just have that trouble with Saul than to find yourself having to betray God. Better you run around all your life. Better your 600 men say that you are exhausting us and be at peace with God and you sleep. Yes, you, are, you, you sleep knowing that Saul wants to kill you, but you sleep knowing that I am at peace with God than to sleep in the best bed, you're in a peaceful place, your children and your, and your family are in the best place ever, but you know deep down that you're being called to betray Yahweh. This is where David finds himself, and he has to answer in an ambiguous way. But this ambiguous answer doesn't dissuade Akish. And we see that he calls David to be his captain. So that ambiguous answer doesn't, he doesn't wiggle himself out of the trouble. Akish said to David, very well, I will make you my bodyguard for life. You will be my bodyguard for life. In other words, you are now mine forever. Forget about being king of Israel. This is what it actually meant. You'll be with me in Ziklag, I'll give you that land. You'll continue living there, but never go back to Judah. You'll always be at my right hand. Turn away from everything. Turn away from Yahweh. Turn away from the call of God upon your life. Turn away from the, you are anointed, yes, forget that. And sometimes we might look at David and wonder, well, silly David, but if we were in his shoes, what 
we have said is a life guarantee of peace, of being in Ziklag, of being in a place where you have a broad land to yourself, being next to the king. I mean, you will be his bodyguard. You will be his most closest and best confidant. Would you give it up? Would you say no? Would you say like Moses, who it is said that he considered the reproaches of Christ better than the riches of Pharaoh? Like the reproaches of Christ. I would rather be in trouble and be in Christ than to enjoy myself for my whole life and be the bodyguard of this guy. And the narratives, narrative is posed there. And you wonder why did the author pose there? We will continue looking at it. And you wonder, what has happened? Which decision did David make? Well, as, as we shall see, is that God providentially causes the princes of the Philistines to suspect David's loyalty. And that out of this, it's because of this that then David gets himself from this situation where he could have bound himself for life. God was merciful to him. We see that even David, a man after God's own heart, can be in trouble. You know, sometimes we and this, this should humble us. This should humble each and every one of us. I don't think if the Lord's anointed could do this, could get himself into this kind of trouble, that you and I can't. It takes the mercy of the Lord. It takes the Lord working things providentially so that David may release himself. David is, in, is at a place you would think he would say, no, 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 no. I can't do that. David is quiet. He is mum. And as we are reading this passage, we might look at David and think, David, say something. You are a godly man. Say something. Say no. He's quiet. And you could almost feel let down. If you are there with him, you would have felt let down, isn't it? David, that was an opportunity for you to bring Akish the gospel. You keep quiet. Sold out. And it's true. Even the best of us, sometimes we keep quiet when we should talk to our own shame. Sometimes we just let things be to our own shame. But here's the good news that the Lord will rescue the righteous. We are told just as in in uh, Peter says that the Lord is good at saving the righteous, at rescuing the righteous. The Lord is an expert at that. And the righteous, even they themselves, are caught up in a web 
of their own making. The Lord is still merciful. We see this in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. This is what Paul writes to the church. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But, but, with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. How merciful is God? How wonderful is God that he rescues us? Even when we, we run towards the enemy camp. Remember like Peter when he denied Christ? David was called here to deny his people. Peter denied Christ. He denied him who had called him. But what does Christ say? I prayed for you. And Christ comes and restores him. This is the God of the Bible. That for those who are listening to this sermon and you're thinking, well, what you've said is so true. I have gotten myself entangled in a web that of compromise upon compromise upon compromise. I, I, I can't even tell you, Pastor. I can't even tell my wife. I can't even tell my fellow believers. How? How am I going to be helped? This is it. We have a merciful God. He is faithful, as Paul says in Corinthians. He will make a way of escape. He will always help us. Don't lose hope. Don't continue being there. Don't wallow in your sin. Don't say, well, I have fallen. I am beyond help. Now I'll just stay here. No. Rise up in the power of Christ. Rise up in the promise that God will help you. It might take time to untangle yourself. It might be shameful to untangle yourself. Untangle yourself. But the Lord is faithful and he will help us through his mercies in Christ. Let us hope. Let us trust in him. For the unbeliever whom you have given your life to the devil, sin, It's an opportunity for you to escape that wicked master, that terrible master. Flee to Christ. Flee to God where you will find eternal peace through Christ, through the great son of David, the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent. Believe in him. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we come before you this evening. Lord, we are a people who have been tempted, and we have fallen. Oh Lord, we have looked at the pleasures and the treasures around us, and we have given in in one way or another. And we have said like David, there is nothing better for me than I should escape to the land of the Philistines. Oh Lord, we pray and ask you that you would forgive us. For those moments we have found ourselves serving 
the old master of sin. Oh Lord, forgive us and help us to run, to flee to you, to flee to the cross. You have shown yourself in the Bible, oh Heavenly Father, to be a faithful God. Who will provide a way of escape. Give us the strength to escape, to run, to flee. And even where we are too weak to speak like David. Where we are too weak to even say no. Oh Lord, that you would still pour out your mercy on us and drag us out. Pull us out from the camp of the enemy. Even if it will cost us pain. Even it will, if it will bring us pain. Even if it will cost a broken relationship. A heartbreak. Even if it will cost us a job. Even if it will cost us our position and our standing in the family or the society. Oh Lord, help us to run and not look back. And oh Lord, help us to help one another to be merciful to each other. That we may, as your word says in the book of Galatians, that we may restore one another with a spirit of gentleness. Knowing that even righteous David caught himself up in such a place. Help us to be gentle with one another. We thank you and we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.